When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, team recaps were going to roll on tonight, and we were planning on talking about Boston College. Uh, and then what happened? Yeah, we were going to bring on Dan Rubin, which we still are, by the way. Um, BCEagles.com, Eagles Unlimited. We've had him on forever. We've had him on since he was with SB Nation. Dan's our guy. Uh, we're still going to have him on. He was supposed to join us tonight to do the Boston College recap, but then, as Joey just alluded to, Jeff Halfley, in basically February, it's 10.38 p.m. Eastern time, on the final day of the month of Hours January. short of February. Hours by short the way, what are we, a week short of early signing day, or of a final signing day? A week short of final signing day. You're in a recruiting dead period. And lo and behold, Jeff Halfley says, you know what? I am going to be the next defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Sure. That's certainly a time to do it. I uh, was not anticipating. I I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before we uh, hit record very briefly, but we were saying that Jeff Halfley was a name on our radar as a guy who could potentially leave Boston College in some way, shape, or form, got BC to a bowl game. It was pretty apparent that they weren't going to fire him. And we thought it was pretty apparent that he wasn't going to leave for another job. But you can do that whenever you want, it turns out, yeah? It it seems that way. That whole thing about, like, you know, you could just get up and leave. Yeah, apparently that's what he's doing. He's just – he's leaving. Um, Yeah, like this – came out of the blue um as mentioned i mean we were we were going to talk to dan rubin tonight and recap boston college and later this quickly, week all of a sudden dan now is like i gotta figure out what's going on here we gotta figure out what the plan is um so this came out totally out of left field um totally unexpected and we are just here kind of going to talk about it a little bit um i guess we can start with kind of one of the obvious questions mike or or one of the obvious talking points here why why would you leave this head coaching job at boston college to go take a defensive coordinator job in the nfl and you know to some people this is going to be a lot more obvious than most but it's it seems like the uh the calculus of of what it takes to be a head coach in college or to be a coach in college period yeah is changing drastically and quickly and um 
not sure that it was easy or uh, something that you know doesn't take a lot of time or you know gives you a good work life balance. Put it that way. It was it was it never was that, but boy, uh, <laughs> with with the transfer portal and the NIL situation and all that, like quickly, like in in just a few years' time, it has gone from difficult and and a time suck to just a constant never ending battle. And the hard jobs got harder. Like that that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me. The hard yeah. jobs got harder, right? Like the Boston colleges of the world became feeder schools for other programs. You know? Um the Syracuses of the world, the pits of the world. Like we're just keeping it to the ACC, right? Like those schools became feeders to other programs. I mean, the start of this was Jordan Addison going to USC. That was like the first key move in like this new NIL transfer portal tampering era was Lincoln Riley Mm -hmm. luring Jordan Addison away from Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh. That was like the first major shoe to drop a couple years ago. We came on this podcast. We talked about it, how this was marking like the, the sign of like the new age of the sport and it sucked and we didn't like it. And it's gotten a million times worse since then. That was after spring practice. It was after spring practice. Yeah. It was a weird time in the calendar. Um, It was going into the summer where you feel like you have your roster figured out. Now, we're, we're a lot smarter now than we were a couple of years ago because we know kind of what this looks like and, you know, what the portal entails. But we know tampering is widespread. It's always been widespread, right? But it's only become worse since you could basically lure somebody off of an opposing roster whenever you want with the way the transfer portal rules are. It's gotten bad, and it's become tough for these schools with... Uh, I would say, you know, a smaller, I don't want to say smaller donor base necessarily, but just like a smaller commitment to NIL, not as big of a commitment to football as some of these bigger powerhouse universities that we're now seeing in the, really the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, it's become hard, right? So like this BC job is a lot more difficult than when Jeff Halfley took it. That's for sure. Like, there's some things four years to, ago, yeah. and that's just four years ago. Like there's a lot of stuff to like, like we'll get into it, right? They, they do have an added investment in football because they do want to be relevant in football. Like Halfley to his credit brought in three of the top recruiting classes in school history during his time at Boston college uh, per 24 seven sports. So like he did come in and he's, you know, the expectation was that he was going to recruit. He certainly did that. Did he have the results to show for it? No. I mean, Boston College is basically the same program on the field that it was when Steve Adazio left. He recruited better, but the results were about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, they do care about football at BC. They certainly do. Does that mean it's any easier of a job now, though? No. And I think it's just a lot more difficult than it was when Halfley took the position four years ago. And I think that's why he's now in the NFL and he's not still coaching Boston College. I mean, it's worth mentioning that he was formerly an NFL guy. Like when they hired him, he was fresh off of the Ohio state defensive coordinator job. But for like, for the most part, he has been an NFL guy in his career. Right. Um, And so it's especially easy to understand. Number one, why would the NFL want this guy? Well, he's, he's got NFL experience that really helps. Uh, But number two, why would he be so attracted to go back? Well, he knows the difference and, and the NFL, like the job that it is, has not really changed materially in terms of how much time and, and, and what is expected of you. It hasn't changed in, I don't know, his career. 
Um, and so, you know, a guy who formerly had experience, you know, DB's coach for the 49ers and for the Browns and for the Buccaneers, like basically spent the entire decade of the 2010s in the NFL. Understandable why a guy like that who's got kids and, and wants to have some sense of, of work-life balance says, I've got this opportunity. I'm going to take it. He's, he's far from the only one that's done it, and he's he's not the last. Right. Right. So... I, you know, in, in a way I'm not surprised, but again, this, this came out of, of left field entirely. So, um, I, you know, I not sitting here saying I, I was expecting this to happen more than, you know, m- more than an hour ago. Yeah. I, I certainly didn't. Well, and I think for him too, like BC, it was pretty clear the program they were on the field this year was probably not one that met expectations maybe it did for like people like you and I who thought that this was the team that Boston College was going to field this year but I think the fan base was expecting a little bit more and you know there was a time there in like the month of October where BC was really starting to sputter a little bit and you and I are looking at it like is he going to survive if BC like doesn't make a bowl game that was a conversation we were having so this is not only a situation where I think you're getting out of a situation that has gotten a little bit more difficult since you entered the job, but I think you're also resetting your clock a little bit, right? We talk about that with other coaches, maybe leaving programs and, and taking like a lateral coaching move. I wouldn't call this a lateral move. I, you know, if you're moving on to be a defensive coordinator for any NFL team, I think that's a step above the head, being the head coach at Boston College. I know the fans are going to be real angry that I said that, but, like, that's just the truth. But, like, I think for him, it kind of resets his clock. You didn't get fired, right? Um, You are getting a raise. Like, you're going to make more money as a defensive coordinator for the Packers than you're making at BC at, like, $3 million a year or whatever it was. So, I I think in a way, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, You kind of get yourself off the proverbial hot seat. You survive the year, but then you have a better opportunity for yourself, and you have an out without really getting fired. Because how much better is this situation going to get with Jeff Halfley remaining coach at Boston College? Like, we don't know. He's been recruiting well, but the the product on the field has been about the same, and he's been there four years. Like, if we were going to see Boston College all of a sudden kind of take the next step forward where they're all of a sudden like an eight- or nine-win program versus like – just making a bowl game, getting to seven wins like they were under Adazio, we would have started to see it by now. We probably would have seen it this past season. We just didn't see it. So I think it makes sense on a lot of levels. And then you add in the fact, Joey, that he is an ex-NFL guy, right? He's been on the NFL coaching staffs before. People forget that because he did come from, you know, Ohio State as their defensive coordinator. He's calling defense on a really good team, obviously. So people forget that but yeah he's an ex-NFL guy and I, I think when you factor that in it just makes even more sense yeah I, I think it's a good point and and again people aren't going to like hearing it but there's a difference between being the head coach at Boston College and being the head coach at Michigan Jim Harbaugh didn't leave for the NFL to be a coordinator I don't think Ryan Day would leave Ohio State for the NFL to be a coordinator right like some of these guys, you know, Brian Kelly wouldn't leave LSU to go to the NFL to be a coordinator at this point. Like, there are, you know, there's a handful of programs there that being the head coach in college is more, uh, you know, more illustrious or more um, more glamorous, I guess, than being a coordinator in the NFL. But um, it, it, there's a lot of even, you know, power conference programs that it would be more, 
more glamorous going to the NFL to take a coordinator job. So, yeah. you know, I, I again, I, I totally understand why he would do this. And, and again, as kind of as you alluded to, and, and as Kevin says, Kevosis, Kevosis, uh, as he states, you know, a week, a week season next year, he could have been on the hot seat. Um, and we, we felt like that again this year, you know, he, this was year four, uh, in three of those years, he's gone six and five, six and six and seven and six. And this Boston college program, honestly, it's funny. You look back to the start of the Steve Adazio tenure, uh, go back to 2013. There have been two seasons, Mike, where Boston college in the last, what, 11 seasons, if I'm, if I'm counting that right, has won more or less like basically every year, but two, they have won either six or seven games every single year. Um, it is the, the picture of, of just consistency in maybe one of the more maddening ways, um, especially when the two years that they didn't win either six or seven games, they went three and nine. So that doesn't, doesn't make you feel any better. That's for sure. Uh, a really popular saying is like you are what your record says you are and that's not really true in college because there's just the schedules there's so many teams schedules are so different conferences are so different mm-hmm. but like if there was one school you were going to pick in the power five or whatever we're calling it now if there was one school you were going to pick boston college epitomizes it like mm-hmm. this is what they are yeah. right like over the last decade plus with all the changes in the sport they are still a six or seven win program. They go to bowl games. You can win there. It's not an impossible job. You can't win big there. Nobody's proven it, right? So this isn't a program where you're winning big. The investment isn't there to win big. Is the investment on par with other ACC programs not named Clemson and Florida State or, or Miami? Yes. You know, they're, they're, the, the amount of investment in the football program, it started to get better before Halfley got there. Uh, but now it's at least on par with, you know, you're running the mill ACC school. But yep. you can win. I mean, you can win there. It's just a tough job. It is a tough job, though. Yeah. Like, th- there's a lot of stuff working against it. We, we've, t- you know, we talked about this with Syracuse. I think Boston College is a better job than Syracuse. But we talk about this with with Syracuse in the same light. Like, the geography is hard. The What's recruiting area, terrible. Recruiting area, it's just real difficult to recruit there, right to the northeast especially at Boston College where like you're playing little brother to all the pro sports teams in Boston like that area like Boston is a great sports town but they're a great professional sports town mm-hmm. like they don't care about the college athletics in the northeast especially like right outside Boston the way that you would see outside of some other me- major metropolitan areas right um mm-hmm. you know yes there's a passion for some fans about holy cross right and there is some passion about BC and for some of the smaller D3 schools up that way. And then you got the Ivy Leagues. I understand all that, but it's just not the same as the pro sports investment in time and energy from that fan base up there. It's just not the same. It's not, not yep. a big college sports area. So that makes yep. it tough. Like, that does make it tough if you're BC to make inroads in that regard, right, where you're not selling out the stadium. Like, you're not getting the four stars in the building very consistently. And I thought Halfley did a pretty good job of, of getting the high three stars and getting some four stars and getting them in the building. Like that wasn't mm-hmm. happening under Adazio. So I give Halfley a lot of credit. So when you talk about candidates, which I'm sure we will in a few minutes, it's like mm-hmm. BC has to choose and they have to decide what kind of program they want to be. Right. Yeah. Do you want to be 
the developmental type program that you were under Adazio? Do you want to try to recruit with the big dogs in this like new era of NIL and kind of try to continue on the path that Jeff Halfley was on where like he was pulling in these good recruiting classes and still, you know, maybe the development wasn't, wasn't there in the way that you were hoping for, but maybe you, you know, catch lightning in a bottle with recruiting twice. Like, do you try to do what Syracuse just did with Fran Brown, clearly a recruiting hire? Like Mm -hmm. what, direction do you want to go and I think that's a really important question to answer at a school like Boston College where the investment is not there in a way that a blue blood is right and it's clearly like Boston College is one of those schools where like if you have a couple of really good players like you're a feeder school yeah yeah so it's tough you've got to answer that question before you make the next hire yeah I I as you mentioned, we'll talk. We'll talk candidates in a minute. Uh, I've got a list of names, just for the record, uh, that we're, we'll, we'll talk about. Okay. I. Uh, but before we do that, Mike, when just in general, does Jeff Halfley leaving at this moment, and and at this point in the calendar, and again, we're right before signing day. Mm-hmm. You open up the the door for people to walk into the portal. You can't get anybody out of the portal, mm-hmm. um, other than your own guys, really is is Boston College in any particular amount of trouble here in your mind like is this if if Jeff Halfley had done this you know a month ago is, is this any better or worse for Boston College to you you'd rather have it happen a month ago than right now mm-hmm. certainly like <laughs> for sure just blanket statement does it hurt Boston College specifically that this happened now in the calendar versus a month ago, though? Not not really, in my yeah. opinion. Because, like, yes, they can walk out the door, right? That always there happens. Are, there are a handful of guys on the roster that they definitively do not want walking out the door. Right Castellanos. Now. Yep, that's one of them. Right? Like, mm-hmm. don't want him leaving. I I don't think it's like a deal breaker. I don't think it's. I mean, they're going to be able to go get the the types of candidates who are going to be interested in the Boston College job at this stage, Joey, in in February. The types of candidates who are going to be interested in February are the same types of candidates that would have been interested a month ago. <laughs> like that's probably fair. Probably and you could fair. probably go get the and you can go get those guys for the price that you were probably paying Jeff Halfley. Yep. I mean, yep. you do avoid a you you avoid a buyout on your end, right? If you're BC, you're not paying Halfley out for him to walk out the door to Green Bay. That does make a difference. That that's important. Yep. Um, I don't know what his con. We we can ask Dan about this when we have him on the next few days. Like, does you know, does Halfley owe BC any money? Like, what's the deal with his contract? Like, he Dan may have some of the answers to those questions, right? Maybe mm-hmm. he's paying some more money back to BC. But, like, BC's not paying a buyout and trying to pay the next guy. So I think that's a benefit for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think their candidate pool, I don't want to say it's well-defined, but, I mean, I mean, I think we've seen kind of the way this has trended before. It's, you know, you have head coaching candidates who are at the group of five level, you know, um, guys kind of like how Dino Babers jumped from Bowling Green to Syracuse. You could go the you know, power five coordinator route. You can go in the professional game with guys who have ties to the Northeast. 
I was I was thinking about that in particular with this job is that you know between Jeff Halfley, Jeff Jagosinski, Tom Coughlin, there is a little bit of a a unique pattern with Boston College relative to not only the ACC but I feel like college in general. Like there have been a lot more NFL connected coaches at Boston College specifically than in a lot of places, which kind of opens up Tom O'Brien a bit of a different yeah a bit of a different uh, place that that could you know, we could be looking for a potential candidate here. And I know that we just got done spending 20 minutes talking about how college is worse than the NFL now, but uh, you know, who knows? It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, NFL position coach versus college head coach, you know, who knows? But Right. So, I mean, BC is an interesting job because like, I think you have guys who have spent some time working up that way that may be natives of the area that may kind of understand kind of BC's place. Mm-hmm in kind of the greater Boston metropolitan area, right? I, I think those types of candidates are important to consider. Uh, and I do think BC is one of those unique schools where, like you mentioned, just based off of guys they've hired over the last couple decades, they've all had NFL ties. Mm-hmm. So I think it's certainly possible. Uh, Kivosa says, uh, Belichick looking for work. Kidding. That would be funny. That that would be. <laughs> I would love to to hear that press conference at ACC Media Days. I I would be there. Like <laughs> I'd love to sit in a couple of those living rooms and hear that that sales pitch to the the parents of recruits and such. Yeah, that, yeah, that'd be incredible. Yep, Mike, I've got ten names here. You have t- ten names. Ten. I have, I have ten names. All right. I mean, can now, I let, give you? Can I give you a few? Can I give you a few to see if I'm anywhere in the neighborhood of anyone on your list? Well, let me let me first say that um, I'm I am only mildly serious at best about any of okay. these names. Okay. Um, okay. Like I, when we so you you might remember when when uh, Florida State fired Willie Taggart, I believe it was. Um, I had a list of 19 names that we talked about on this show, and one of them actually ended up being Mike Norvell, which I, I grouped under G5 coaches that probably aren't good enough for Florida State pending the money situation. Good one. Yeah, so you know, we were close. Um, By the but, way, that, that guy was almost good enough for the Alabama coaching job Yeah, a couple, couple months ago. Yeah, a month yeah, ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I had that's a funny name list to go look back at. You it know, is. Built in what late 2019 and the, there's things we've learned since then like, some names on there are pretty good some names on there are pretty bad but that's to be expected turns out florida state was never going to hire less miles so um there's that that's that's true kansas is um, regretting that so i'm only mildly serious about this and to be really honest with you i think what i think is going to happen they might go like internal one year transition coach just try to keep the continuity thing Gross. going yeah yeah like try to minimize portal damage at this point evaluate in december and, and yeah. go that route mm-hmm. that's that's what i personally think they're gonna do that said i have 10 names none of which are internal okay that are in four different groupings Oh, um, okay. We can go over. But, mm-hmm. Mike, you said you want to guess at a couple names that might be on the list first. Well, I have one that I would be surprised if it's on your list. Okay. That, uh, quick Google search, I went with uh, 
Boston College alums that are coaching in college or the NFL. Okay. Joey, there's one interesting candidate that played college football at Boston College that has never coached at the college level. Hmm. But he has been an NFL head coach. Is that right? Brian Flores. Oh. Oh, that's a thought. Brian Flores was a linebacker at Boston College from 1999 to 2003. Okay. Um, He is a guy who clearly has had support in almost every locker room he's ever been in with mm-hmm. players of course we're not going to talk about the Miami ownership situation but with players he's had a lot of support um he's currently a defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings would he even be interested in the Boston College job the answer is probably not mm-hmm. but it is his alma mater uh if he wanted something new right if he wanted to be a head coach again, I know that's something he desires at the professional level. But, it, you know, if he wanted badly enough to be a head coach again, does he consider going home to his alma mater? I actually think, depending on the staff he put together, that would be a really interesting recruiting hire and clearly a good player oh, yeah. development and clearly a good player development hire because of, especially on the defensive side of the football, what he's done at the NFL level with the Patriots what he did as a head coach with the Dolphins, like his record was really good. He got fired for other reasons outside of his control. What he's done with the Vikings defense, he's a good football coach. And he's highly regarded. He coached under Belichick. He understands the Northeast, Mm -hmm. played at BC, coached in New England as an assistant for a number of years. I think that hire is flying under the radar and would make a whole heck of a lot of sense for Boston College. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for Flores, yeah, right? Yeah. But I, I think if you're thinking, like, outside the box, crazy name, alum, good, damn good football coach, like, Flores checks a lot of those boxes. I don't think he'll leave the Vikings to go do that. But Yeah, no. But that's some, that that's a name. Yeah. It, it It's worth making the call, and certainly if you're Blake James and you get a call from Brian Flores saying, hey, I'm potentially interested – you you can't get your ass on a plane fast enough to go interview <laughs> him and try to convince yeah. him to do it. Like, yeah. yeah, that would be the the grand slam hire there that would just come, again that would be totally out of left field. High, I would not expect that high marks. I, I would be giving but, that higher high marks. I think sure, sure, yeah, that works. All right, Brian Flores. That was not on the list. For what worth. Any any other guesses before I get I, in here? I have another one, and this is. Okay. This is the whole Northeast coaching tree, but this guy has coached at the college level. Mm-hmm. He's now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, Bill O'Brien. Uh, Was not on my list, but all right. OC at Alabama, obviously authored the the Penn State, that period of time after Joe Pa where it was hell in a handbasket in Happy Valley. Yeah, He ushered that era swimmingly, understands the Northeast, understands obviously the college level he's coached for everybody who matters in the sport right coach for belichick twice coach for saban he's now with ryan day like the football coaches i i I know fans like especially fans of the patriots fans of the nfl they're like that was a dumpster fire of an offense in new england this year but also like look what he did at bama like one bryce young a heisman they were averaging 40 points per game. Ryan Day is no idiot if he's hiring Bill O'Brien to be his offensive coordinator. 
mm-hmm. obviously what he did at Penn State was extremely admirable. Mm-hmm. That hire makes a lot of sense because he's a New England native and he understands that area of the country and he's had success at both the college and professional level as a coordinator and a head coach. So that's another name. I mean, I, I watched the uh, the grease fire that unfolded from from up close here when he was with the Texans. Yeah, yeah. But but keep in mind that that was entirely surrounding like him basically taking over as both head coach and GM. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. the GM component was what just completely unraveled that whole thing. Was you know the the things going on off the field. I mean, when he had especially when he had Deshaun as court as quarterback, but even before then, like. They were decently coached on offense. Like he can, he can call an offense, and yeah. I, I feel fully comfortable that hiring Bill O'Brien, you could continue going six and six or seven and five every year. I, I'm confident you could. Agree. Um, <laughs> couple, couple other names that I don't think. He was also I, not on the list, by the way. Okay, all right, fair enough. A uh, couple other names that may be on the list, uh, that are not going to happen because they just took jobs elsewhere, head coaching mm-hmm. jobs that would have been perfect for BC. Kurt Signetti, going from James Madison to Indiana. I think BC, like, he would have taken a look at Boston College. Maybe, but you definitely can't outbid Indiana. Not now. No, 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 no. They've got Big Ten money now. This is not not realistic. This is not realistic now. And then Bob Chesney going to James Madison from Holy Cross. I think that would have been more realistic. But David Mm -hmm. Teal, noted ACC reporter, said that's not happening. He's staying at JMU. Those two names... he was on my list. I, I wrote that name down maybe 30 minutes before I saw the tweet from David Teal saying that specifically within two hours or whatever it is, Bob Chesney has said, I'm not interested in that. I'm staying at JMU. So Yeah, and then yep. j- just one, one other name real quick that uh, he was on the list at Syracuse. He was rumored as a candidate. I don't know if he ever got an interview. Um but he coached a pretty good defense at Notre Dame this past year. He has ties to the ACC as Miami's former head coach. He's from the Northeast. He's from Jersey. Oh, no. He coached at Boston College as an assistant <laughs> in the past. One and only, Mr. Al Golden. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's. We, we said on the last show, we were talking about Jeff Collins and stuff. Like, sometimes guys learn things and, you know, mm-hmm. grow and improve as head coaches. And he mm-hmm. hasn't been a head coach in quite a while. Now. A really long time. Yeah, it's been a while. So, you know, and having been at Notre Dame and having been at some place, I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Been, been, in, been in the NFL game. So we were talking about yeah. that profile of like NFL guys. Like, he was an NFL assistant for a few years for going to Notre Dame. Like, mm-hmm. this is. They would fit that mold as well at BC, yep. so check that box. Yep, yep. Um, of all those names, only Bob Chesney was on my list. Hell yeah, but, love it. But I, I like what you're thinking. I like where your head's at. Just okay. Get, get creative here. I had I had reasons for each one. So yeah, no valid reasons. Fine. Yep. I man, Brian Flores. I wish I had thought of that one. I didn't. That didn't even occur to me. That's pretty um, good, huh? That, that's, that's, it's that's, a, it's a it's a good pull. It's not going to happen. It's a good pull though. That's right. That's right. First group I have, Mike. Former non-current Power 5 head coaches that could work. Okay. Non-current so, Power 5. People that have been Power 5 head coaches that mm-hmm. are not currently Power 5 head coaches. Okay. David Shaw. Don't hate it. What's he up to these days? Interviewing for NFL head coaching jobs, apparently. <laughs> He's got time. Is it anything beyond the Rooney rule? Because like, that... I've... 
I that, don't know. That's a question for NFL general managers. Been, been a lot of talk about him potentially with NFL jobs, and I think the general agreement is that the whole Stanford thing kind of wimp, you know, falling out with a whimper is is not a uh, David Shaw uh, fault. Basically, that, that's yeah. Not on him. I mean, he'll have another big job at some point. That's right. That's right. Number two, Mike London. <laughs> oh no! I mean, oh no! Seems like he's got some things working. It does. He is. He does. I mean, he's been. Yeah. I mean, William Mary's been good. Like he's mm-hmm. he's coaching well. He's pulling recruits, some recruits away from UVA, which is very funny. Mm-hmm. So, I, that's possible. In I guess Atlantic region. I mean, I, it's a thought. I don't. There know. are no bad names on coaching candidates. Continue. Speaking of UVA, Bronco Mendenhall. Hmm. Gross. He just took the I New Mexico mean, job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bronco. Chris Grondin. <laughs> Chris Grondin. Did you just say Mike <laughs> London? Funniest possible hire. No, Chris. That's where you're wrong. There's a funnier one down the list. Don't oh, worry. good. We're, Excellent. We'll get to that. I'm looking forward to that. We'll get to that. Bronco, I, if Boston College comes out tomorrow and says we've hired Bronco Mendenhall, what's your first thought? I mean, BC's a better job in New Mexico. Well, yes. Like, so, yes. I mean, okay. Decent, good, higher, feels like. like does he want to do – he's been. He has. And does he want to do the East Coast again? I thought the answer was probably not, and that's why he left UVA. I mean, I think UVA, that was more of a back – backdoor uh you know back office politics nonsense thing somebody was trying to force him to fire somebody and he didn't want to so he just said like i'm out and yeah that was not that was not like a fired for performance kind of thing no um, they they were just fine well he he's won he's won everywhere too which is a great yep. point you just made yep uh number four another guy who has won in a lot of places he's been rich rod <laughs> i mean Boston College, better job than Jacksonville State. And he has history at West Virginia. And he's kind of been all over at Arizona and Ole Miss and stuff. He can speaking, call an offense. Speaking of guys who haven't been head coaches in a while, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's in that Al Golden mode. I mean, he's he's been a head coach more recently than Al Golden, I believe. I think he was at Arizona more recently than Golden was at Miami, I think. Maybe like a year or two more. I have to go back and double check that, actually. I don't even know that for sure. But yeah, it's Rich, been a while. Rod. He was the head coach at Arizona. I remember in 2014, first year of the uh, the New Year's Six and the college football playoff, um, they they were in the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. and he was their head coach at, at Arizona, and yeah. stuck around for another two three years after that. So yeah, and Golden not, was not fired. Golden was fired either after 15. I don't know if Cam, I know Cam was in the comments. I don't know if he's still with us. Golden was fired either after 15 or 16 because he was still the head coach in 15 when they were in Blacksburg playing Virginia Tech, I remember. Hmm. The Chikori Harris. Mike Patrick had like a stroke on the air because he was so excited <laughs> when <laughs> Virginia Tech had a sack. I remember that. Anyway. There you go. There you go. So former non-current Power 5 head coaches that could work. David Shaw, Mike London, Bronco Mendenhall, Rich, Rich Rodriguez. Okay. Rich Rod's a good one. That's yeah. off my Just, radar. None of those would stun me if uh, Boston College pulled those hires off. Rich Rich Rod would stun me. Like, if Rich Rod happened tomorrow, I'd be like, wow, did not see that coming. That's another guy who was fired at Arizona, not for performance, but for off-field stuff that might have been a little bit sketchy, that yeah. schools might be a little uh, hesitant to bring him in the building. But Yeah. In any case. Uh, who among us, right? <laughs> 
Group Just number kidding. two. Yep. Never had a Power Five head coaching job, but deserves a shot. Okay, so are we talking like? Uh... So Bob Chesney is in this group. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So we're talking about. All right. I, can I guess one? You may. Jason Candle. Uh, was not on my list. Okay. But good name. Yeah. He was. He interviewed at Syracuse, I think. Or was he at least on a candidate list at Syracuse? I don't know if he actually interviewed or not. May have been. May have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The guy who runs a really good offense mm-hmm. and has been thought to be a Power 5 candidate for a while. And Forever. Kind of strange that he hadn't gotten a more serious look yet, it seems like. But Agree. Good look. Um, a guy who a former, uh, former Boston College assistant, Don Brown. <laughs> Going from... Going from UMass mm-hmm. to Boston College. He's right around the corner, baby. Hell yeah. Don, <laughs> Don Brown's like 74, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's an old, old-ass man. But, uh, I mean, if Bel- if Belichick I, – I know we're joking about the Bill Belichick. That's just going to become a bit. But if we're going to do the Belichick thing, we got to do Don Brown first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He um, – I will say that, you know, he, he hadn't looked – his teams haven't been all that good at UMass the last couple of years. Like I said, UMass – Yes, right, correct. It's Nobody correct. is making UMass any good, so it's right. fine. Like, don't worry right. about it. Yeah, I, you and I, I will s- would do the yeah. same thing. I will say about him, my understanding of him being at UMass is that it's largely a play for, uh, I believe there's there's something about the state of Massachusetts. If you're a uh, a state employee for long enough, you get a pension. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's something to do with it that uh, that he's there. And I, it just kind of occurred to me that Boston College is a private school, so that doesn't really apply. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been making enough money elsewhere as like defensive coordinator at Michigan. I, I think he's OK money wise. Yeah. But yep. anyway, Jeff Munkin. Always. Yes. I mean, I mean, I didn't think about Jeff Munkin, but he's on every every Boston College type job. Like he's on that mm-hmm. list. So, yes, Jeff, call yep. Jeff Munkin. Uh, we got a couple people in the in the comments, Volusia's Orange and, and Chris Grandin asking about Jamie Chadwell. Uh, I think they're spot on. Like, yeah, I trust that that would work for him, uh, or th- that he could make that work. Uh, definitely questions about cultural fit. You know, he's he's about as redneck as they come. Like, how does that work in in Boston? Um, uh, I don't know, but <laughs> depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one I had here was Joe Moorhead. Former Penn State and Oregon uh-huh. office coordinator. He's uh-huh. over at Akron. Akron right now? Akron. That's correct. So a lot of northeastern roots there, I think. You know, okay. he's a guy that, I don't know, calls good offense. I guess the wrong sure. I guess the wrong Mac head coach. Oh, uh, yeah. We, well, on the same page, though. On the same page. Yeah. Uh, that's it for that category. Mm-hmm. I have two more each in their own categories. Okay. So we got four left. Continue. Uh, we have two left. Two left. Oh, oh, one, each. Oh, oh, one each. Okay, okay. We have yeah. we have one each. Okay, sorry. So, next one is in the category of he's not busy. It wouldn't last long, and it's not going to happen. But we can uh, dream. We're talking about coaching jobs, to be clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, just just making sure. Yep. Uh, a man who, once again, this would be a, a grand slam hire, I think. Uh, a man who has spent a good portion of his professional career in Boston specifically and who as of recently is no longer employed and has as of you know slightly less recently 
had a son at Boston College. That would be Mike Vrabel. Oh, okay, okay, nice. Mike nice. Vrabel's son, Tyler, was at Boston College nice. up until like a year or two ago. Nice. He's got nothing going on. He'd probably only be there for like a year. Could be just like a fun side project that, for him. That was, but that was good. That was good. You played that up like it was Belichick, and uh, it was Vrabel. That was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Once again, Grand Slam if you get him. It only uh, lasts like a year. Yeah, for sure. And then, Mike, the uh, the one that I, I just – I feel like I have to, I have to do this. Um, this one is in the category of it's not going to happen, and Boston College fans will hate me. But he's not busy. He made bowl games, and it makes me laugh, so I'm bringing it up anyways. Steve Adazio. Yep, there it is. <laughs> that's, that's, I knew that one was coming. Go back to the well, that's, baby. That's why I shook my head and said, "Let's we're, we're not doing this, are we? We're, we're going uh, full Greg Schiano here. We're doing the, uh, the retread. I am like 96% <sighs> sure it's not going to be any of the names on that list. I don't know who it's going to be. I, I saw Dan Felicia's Orange said Dan Mullen. That's an interesting name because sure. he basically had to publicly proclaim that he was not the he loved Syracuse, but he was not a candidate there, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that means he wasn't ever a candidate there or he just wasn't taking the job. Uh, but he is from the Northeast. BC is probably higher upside Syracuse. If he wanted to get back into coaching, he's pretty good at the TV thing. But if he wanted to get back yeah. into coaching, like it's clear from an X's and O's standpoint, he can coach. He has to decide if he wants to recruit, though, because that's something he decided he didn't want to do it in the SEC anymore, right? Yeah. So you got to decide if you want to recruit. And BC is a tough job to do that. And recruiting mm-hmm. is harder than when he was at Florida a few years ago. It's harder now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's. I think it's a fit because of like where he's from. And all that stuff, but like in the same vein as the Syracuse smoke around Dan Mullen, I didn't think that was happening. I would be surprised if this would happen for very similar reasons, even though BC yeah. is a higher upside job than Syracuse. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can even go back to the very beginning of this episode of does Dan Mullen really want to get back into coaching at all at this point? Like, yeah. I mean, he's so damn good at TV. Like, he's really, like, he's. Maybe not calling the games, but like in the, he's had some questionable color commentating moments. But as far as like the, on Virginia Tech games specifically, but analyzing games, he's been uh, like in halftime shows, pregame, post, all that stuff. He's been pretty good. So yeah, I, I would. He's got the charisma for television. Maybe you should just keep doing that. Yeah. Well, and everything I understand about him, lifestyle wise, I mean, you figure he's been what in Mississippi and Florida since 2008 something like that i mean yeah he's more expensive chadwell yeah yeah yeah, exactly and i mean yeah he's got like the lake house in georgia and Mm -hmm. like he's got kids in school and yeah i i don't know how much he wants to get back into it at this point especially not in the northeast somewhere but i if if boston college announced tomorrow we're hiring dan mullen i i'd be all for it i yeah i think that's a good hire for for a lot of programs is a guy that is not going to be pressured to recruit at the very tip top level. Um, I think he can develop quarterbacks. I think he can call a game really, really well, both you know in the booth or on the sidelines. Um, so I'd be all about it. Yeah, he can coach. He can coach X's and O's wise. He can coach. Yeah, Illusions Orange mentions Chip Kelly. That was another name that I considered for a second, uh, putting together my list. But he's 
you're not going to get him off of UCLA. Like if if he were unemployed, I would say yes. But yeah, yeah, I, I and I think that would be a good hire. Yes, that would work. Yes, it, it's not that I don't think it would be a good hire. It's that okay. Two things. Number one, UCLA, Big Ten money goes without saying okay mm-hmm. Be- just better jo- flat out better job it was a better yeah. job in the pac-12 it's a better job now in the big 10 mm-hmm. right but as far as like I, we were talking about like resetting your clock right from a coaching standpoint with halfley chip kelly's on the hot seat at ucla like they were supposed to be pretty decent this year they weren't um he had to he out of the blue got his defensive coordinator poached lincoln riley is the one who poached him at usc it's UCLA's biggest rival right across town. UCLA's biggest rival outside of Stanford poached their defensive coordinator. He had to go out and make a de- new defensive coordinator hire. The offense wasn't great. They had a lot of trouble replacing Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh Dante Moore, their five star quarterback, hit the portal. Like <laughs> a lot of stuff just not going spectacular for Chip Kelly at UCLA. So from a standpoint of resetting your coaching clock, sure. If it was like another school, not na- in the ACC, not named Boston College, I could, as a sitting head coach, I could see it. If he was unemployed, I'm with you. Like they'd call him, they'd see if he was interested. I'm sure he'd want to coach because he wasn't very good on TV. <laughs> like not a TV guy. He was doing TV for a little bit after the Eagles. He was not. A, he was not very good at it. He is a football coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I think he's going to be at UCLA until he's not, and then maybe he'll do one more coaching job elsewhere and that'll be it yeah yeah i think too i mean look at the last what four jobs that he's had yeah ucla was it was it the eagles first and then the 49ers i forget which the, he, he was with two nfl teams as the head coach and, and got a lot of gm level power i think at least at one of them and then was it oregon yeah right. i just i i think of it from a uh uh, prestige standpoint of those jobs versus versus this one is a little bit different but um, I mean he is from New Hampshire if I'm not mistaken uh, yeah previously coached in New Hampshire and so he's got again he's got that northeast familiarity and in a lot of the, the the line that I draw between these guys as well are, are coaches that are able to succeed without like a, a significant talent advantage in a lot of cases because I don't know that you're going to build a talent advantage at Boston College can you keep up and have a comparable talent level to a lot of the, the middle of the conference. Yeah, I think so. Um, so who are the guys that can win with comparable talent as opposed to winning with excess talent basically well, roster is what I'd be looking for. Well, yeah. And like the comparable talent thing, like that's how you get to six, seven, eight wins mm-hmm. because like, you're going to have comparable talent, especially as long as Boston college is still in the ACC. Like you're going to have comparable talent to most everybody. The exception, of course, being the Florida States, Louisville's, Clemson's, Miami's of the world. But you're gonna have comparable talent to everybody else, like yeah. to Pitt, to UVA, uh, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, I, you name Virginia Tech, UVA. You're gonna have comparable talent. You're gonna have like the if you can recruit the way that Halfley was recruiting, it's gonna be like the high three star, low four that's probably going to be your ceiling. Mm-hmm. And can you develop those guys? If the answer is yes, like maybe you push it to, and this goes for anybody. Maybe you push it to eight wins. I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't bet on it. This yeah. is six or seven win program. Like you are what you are like in this 
state. They've been like this for a long time. This is who mm-hmm. they are. You're going to have a hard time pushing past that mold. It's just going to be harder now. So can you yep. develop can you develop talent? Can you recruit the the low 3 star and have them perform like a high 3 low 4? Like can mm-hmm. you do that job? You know. Uh that's that's the question. I don't know who that guy is, but that's who BC needs to hire. Yep. Yep. Agreed. The one other thing I did consider when trying to come up with that list of names is like is there anyone that comes to mind that is like a uh, a, a pretty well-known like Catholic candidate knowing it is Boston College. Right. And, and the only the only name that really comes to mind is Luke Luke Fickle. And unfortunately, I, you're not getting him out of Wisconsin at this point. But if this were a couple of years ago and it's Cincinnati, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, and the the um, the one thing too, and it won't happen because he's an older coach. Um, Lou Holtz. <laughs> no, no, separate from the Catholic thing. Uh, it won't happen because he's older, but he's done the more with less thing. Craig Bowl at Wyoming, it'll never mm-hmm. happen. But like, it's that mold of a coach, right? That has always gotten the most out of the talent that he's had. Because like, you see what Craig Bowl's done at Wyoming, and they're like a that's a speaking of tough programs, like that's a tough place to win, mm-hmm. and he's kind of figured it out. That's the mold. That's who you want to be the head yeah. coach, I think. So kind of somewhere between Halfley and Adazio, like have the recruiting of ha- of Halfley and the development of Adazio, because I think Adazio, his track record of developing the lower caliber of prospect, I think he had a better track record of that than Jeff Halfley did in his four years at BC. So yeah. I think kind of find that medium between that kind of coach, right? I think that's that's kind of what you're going to be looking for. There is a uh, there is an alternate history that we could write that I don't think Boston College fans really want to want to see or hear about. But yeah, you know who was coaching in the MAC up through Jeff Halfley's first year at Boston College, and who could have been a potential candidate to get hired there? Who? Lance Leipold. Oh yeah, there you go. There it is. I don't think you're getting him off of Kansas at, the, at this point uh, as Boston College, but could you have gotten him off Buffalo? When you hired Jeff Halfley? Probably. Yeah, the same Lance Leipold that was in the mix at Washington a few weeks mm-hmm. ago when Kalen DeBoer left for Alabama. That Lance Leipold? No. PC <laughs> will not be getting Lance Leipold. Yeah. Yeah. No, they won't. They won't. So, um, I don't know. I Last thing I'll say on this is, honestly, I, well, and it's it's a different athletic director at this point making the hire, but... I don't remember exactly what our conversation was a few years ago when uh, when Steve Adazio was fired and trying to come up with you know who was going to get hired, but I do know this, Mike. Jeff Halfley was not on the list. Uh, people that we thought they might might go for. This was something that kind of came out of left field, um, and and everybody that we have been talking about really has been head coaches, you know, or you know at least former head coaches or current head coaches elsewhere. Um, so if, if Boston College is going to go back to the well of hiring a coordinator from somewhere or an NFL position coach or something like that, I mean, that's someone that's kind of off our radar and we're not even talking about. And that's – I feel like there's a decent shot that's the route they end up going here. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's – you know, we talked about a lot of different head coaches, but we didn't talk about a lot of coordinators. And mm-hmm. 
Bill O'Brien doesn't. I, <laughs> Bill O'Brien doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. We really didn't talk about any co- like true coordinators. I don't think. Yeah, who have never gotten a shot. We didn't. Yeah, the, the Tony Elliott from Clemson. Or, right. Right. You know anything like that? So yeah. The the Brent Pry the Brent Pry the jumping from Penn State to Tech. Like we didn't talk about like. Those are the types of guys, because yeah. Brent Pry was not on anybody's list for Virginia Tech either. Like, those are the types of guys. Brent Key was a promotion, but if, you know, going into Position it, if coach. you had told me, right, if you had told me if Brent Key was going to be the head coach, like, coming out of that year, like, at the time Jeff Collins was fired, like, he was an internal candidate, certainly, but, like, mm-hmm. we weren't thinking that Brent Key would do as well as he did in the interim role and then just get the head coaching job we weren't thinking that yeah. a year ago yeah that was not expected <laughs> not expected now chris grondon <laughs> can i interest boston college and tony elliott <laughs> oh. discount huh chris yeah uh, yeah chris will pay for carlos plane to fly tony elliott to bc mm-hmm mm-hmm let me take care of that for you. Get yeah. it out of here. Yeah. Um, I will say, so again, we, I think we kind of mentioned it. Our plan, Mike, we, we were planning on recording tonight and we were planning on talking about Boston college. We were not planning on Jeff Halfley leaving three hours before we went live or whatever it was. Right. So uh, what I will say is we were planning on talking to our boy, Dan Rubin tonight mm-hmm. and, he, we messaged him uh, when, as soon as we saw the news, which he immediately said, uh, can I can I please have the night to text my sources and figure out what's going on and what the plan is? So yeah. um, I will say that, you know, we're sitting here just having fun, talking about names that might be fun, might make sense, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, we are going to come back and we're going to do the, the season recap with Dan Rubin, but we will obviously now have to talk about what next uh is in terms of this hire and in terms of this program so um, we will be doing that in the next couple days and the episode should uh should be out before too much longer you'll be able to review that either on you know youtube or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts yeah with with somebody who is in the know Mm -hmm. and will be able to give us some pieces of information without giving too much away I was going to say, he's not only is he in the know, he's uh, low-key in the building. So. Yeah, he's there. Like He's he's walking the hallways. It does, so. uh, it does limit what he can say at times, so yes, g- give him some grace with that. Yeah, but he will be a, uh, as he usually is, he will be a pleasure to have on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So keep it tuned here. We'll have a lot more, uh, you know, over the next couple weeks as Boston College, I say a couple weeks, it might be a couple days, honestly. Um, they might Quick. try to get this thing done quickly. So Quick. we'll, we'll keep you updated. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to Dan Rubin here in the next couple of days. And um, if need be, we'll, I don't know, maybe we'll get back together and talk about who they do end up hiring um, yeah. as, uh, as, as appropriate. We'll see how this the whole thing unfolds, but keep it tuned here. We'll keep you updated. It, it's good for off-season content. I will say that. This is helpful. It is. It is. Um, yeah, you made a comment, too, before we, we came on here, I believe. Uh, if you go all the way back to our uh, preseason projections, uh, I thought I was right about two coaches leaving the ACC, one by being fired and one electing to leave. You mentioned that actually now Tony Syracuse was correct that three are mm-hmm. now turning over. Now that we have lost Dino Babers and Mike Elko, and now Jeff Halfley. 
So. I think I think shout out Tony because I know he he does listen to his podcast. Mm-hmm. Tony, I think his exact words were three, and I could see a fourth, mm-hmm. but he said three, so, and the fourth point, I mean, the, the possible fourth was Tony Elliott, and he was like real he was like really sure on that Mm -hmm. and i from what we understand i don't think he was necessarily wrong about that at the time when he was discussing it like it was we can't and then we talked to justin ferber about it It was kind of like the same thing for those of you who listen to that that season recap you know justin basically said yeah like he was he was in some trouble Mm -hmm. in like october this wasn't going to be a situation where they were going to let it get as bad as like two and ten one and eleven like they would have moved on so tony was correct even though they were coming off of all the off the field stuff at the end of the year last year with the with the shooting and everything else tony was like no like if they're real bad like they'll move and Mm -hmm. justin echoed that so he said three and the fourth would be elliot and he had halfway on his list so credit to him it's just didn't probably didn't turn out the way he thought Uh, oh i don't i don't think halfway was on his list i think Dino, Elko, and Halfley were all on it. I think he might have <laughs> nailed all three. Yeah. Like, so, kudos to, to Tony Syracuse for... He'll be back. Yeah, yeah. he'll be back. Tone Stradamus, we'll have to call him or something. I mean, yeah. he nailed the whole thing. So, yep. that's, that's impressive. Yeah. But, in any case, Mike, I think that's all I got on Boston College. Anything else? No, I, I think we're all set. We'll be talking to Dan uh, in a podcast that'll be recorded... I, I think tomorrow night. Well, we'll see what Dan says. Like, we don't know what Boston College is going to do over the next 24 anyway, right? We don't know if they're going to make a high or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if BC saw this coming. We have no idea. Probably not. I mean, the answer is probably not. Yeah, so. It seems unlikely. Yeah, so we'll talk to Dan. Uh, I'm thinking we may want to do that one live as well, just because I'm mm-hmm. thinking we may want to get that out the door pretty quickly since BC is probably going to be making a hire soon yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the probably go live in the hopper the more likely it is to be stale by the time it comes out yeah i mean we learned that the hard way and it it wasn't anybody's fault it, this was not on producer scott don't send him mean things Hi, but scott. we were what's up scott we recorded the the uh, miami podcast on like thursday and then like saturday morning the cam ward news broke and it was yeah. like not even 36 hours from the time we recorded, and that was already stale. Mm-hmm. So it just happens. We may just have to go live with Dan tomorrow night. So easily top five favorite thing about podcasting is when we uh, <laughs> when things change between finishing the episode and posting the episode. You Love record it. you record timely. Scott's editing it timely, and we have to record an addendum anyway. It's the best. Exactly. So. Exactly. So keep it tuned here. Um, once again, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast if you want to come join us live. Uh, as we talk with Dan Rubin, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, uh, maybe we talk about a coaching hire, same episode, different episode, I don't know. Uh, but keep tuned here and uh, join in the conversation, join in the comments. Uh, we've had a really good crowd tonight, so appreciate the folks that came out and, and joined in and, and helped out kind of steering the conversation. Give us some ideas for some candidates. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate it. So thank you guys so much for, for coming out. We will be back. Uh, until then, find us on Twitter. At FTRS Joey, at Mike McDaniel SI, together at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, send us an email, questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address on demand, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. 
Thank you. Uh, apologies to the Cal fan who emailed us. I don't think that we specifically spoke about Cal's schedule. We talked about who had to go play Cal, but that was mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, so we talked about like half Cal's schedule, it turns out. But yeah, um, yeah. apologies to that individual uh, that we did not hit the whole thing in great detail. So apologies for that. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, or whatever it's turning into. YouTube Music Premium something. I don't know. Uh, Amazon, all those good places you find your podcast. Go find us there. Uh, we're also within social medias, Mike. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate review. Find some of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. Mm-hmm. Like Joey mentioned, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. If you were new to the stream tonight, you haven't listened to us before, whatever. Subscribe if you liked what Welcome. you listened to. Welcome. Yeah. If you didn't like what you were listening to, that's fine too. I'd subscribe anyway because it helps two guys you just met so mm-hmm. i mean that's a good sell absolutely absolutely mike anything else before we get out of here no i think we'll, we're good we'll uh we'll talk very soon let's go talk to dan rubin how's that sound well, let's do it all right well until then for mr mike mcdaniel i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we will talk to you again very very soon until then go eagles and go acc